another episode and I have a story to tell everybody on this beautiful Friday morning as a lot of you probably do not know I was addicted to pills narcos um you know all whatever if they can get you high I was hooked on them. And I been sober five months. And the reason I bring all of this up is because recently my sister's child broke my 75-inch TV that almost cost me $1,000. She couldn't pay me. So she wrote a note with a whole bunch of pills attached to the note, left it in my mailbox and said, I quote, I can't pay you, but here's a whole bunch of pills, sell them. So I stared at the bottle for a couple days of pills saying, well, if I take one, it's not going to hurt. Well, if I take two, just two won't hurt. I'm naked, pacing up and down, um, taking a couple showers to keep my mind off of things, jacking off a couple times. I even just took a blue chew just to get hard, just to get my mind off these pills. And I started screaming to the top of my lungs, I'm not going to take them. So I flushed them down the toilet. Then I jacked off eight, nine times. Then I watched the whole series of Breaking Bad, including the El Camino with Jesse Pinkman. And I called Chester and let him know what was going on. And Chester told me, pussy, I would have took all of them. But it just comes to show you that... I have family members that do not give a fuck about my sobriety. You know, they're not just liars and thieves. They will literally want me to OD on pills for me 
not to be around so I won't bug them because they owe me money. Yeah, you heard that right. They will go to the extreme just for me to commit some type of act of self uh self destruction like and and it didn't work so you know if you're listening to this podcast sister i'm still living you know and but th- that's the thing that's the thing a lot of people that've been listening to my podcast they know i have family issues they know that you know I have brothers that, you know, gangbang or steal. I have other sisters that do fraud or even steal credit cards and go to fucking Target and max it out. You know, it's okay, though. That's family. You know, I always thought that was okay growing up. I always thought that if your family doesn't steal from you, that means they don't love you. That means they're not thinking about you, you know? Like, I've always thought that. Like, I used to have other friends like, well, you keep your PlayStation there and they don't touch it? Wow, bro. They don't fucking love you. Or they don't eat your pizza pockets? You come back from school or work and it's still there? Damn, bro. They do not fuck with you. But I always used to thought that was normal. Always growing up. But I just have to realize that you know, it's just a part of life. And, and and all this creates energy, especially when you're doing comedy, man. Like, I'm, I'm telling jokes about my personal life. And, you know, some people tell me I may shouldn't be saying nothing personal on there. You should just write material that, you know, that doesn't hit home all the time. But hit home all the time is what makes me glow, makes me shine. I love it when when I when I tell people that my family members are in prison or get deported because of their stealing or gangbanging. I love saying that because you know what? A long time ago, someone in my family told me that I will never amount to nothing because I always have my mouth open. I'm always having my mouth open when I'm looking at the TV or drooling or slobbering or nodding my head back and forth on the sofa like a special ed kid. And the funny thing about it is I'm the last one standing. If this was the Royal Rumble in the WWE, WWF, whatever you want to call it, I'm the last one standing. I'm the one with the money in the bank, you know? They're the one asking me for loans and money. I'm I'm God to them because I can say no. I can ruin your month. I can ruin your car payment. I can say no and you can get evicted tomorrow. And that's the crazy thing about it is, is that when you're an underdog in a dysfunctional family and you come out winning, you have all the Uno cards and 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 that's amazing because the more they beg you the more you can play with them like i don't know maybe tomorrow call me tomorrow i don't know i got to take my bank account and you know i let them sweat i let them think for a couple of days like oh shit is this it am i sleeping in my car tonight no nah, but 
in 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 a serious note that uh that's fucked up that uh I have family members that give me drugs when they know I'm going through sobriety and going through us uh, 12 12 step programs to get over this hump that I have and that's the one thing that I'll never be ashamed of and I think as a comic you should always admit especially admit shit that you're going through stuff that you're doing because people will throw shade at you especially if you're growing if you're um succeeding in life not even just with comedy because I I honestly feel like I'm not really making a big dent I just love doing it I love being a comic I love going to local bars and comedy clubs here in my area here in the San Francisco Bay Area like I love doing it but they hate that people will hate to see you happy, you know? And I once, and this is on, on another topic, I was chilling with two barbers, right? Two barbers. And one of them told me he was fucking the other one's wife. And at first, I really did not care. You know, I just listen because I know if I just listen and pretend to care, I would get free haircuts. Like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, man, that's dope. Oh, no, for real? Damn, you had it like that. And most of the time it did work. But I just want people to know that it's just how you play the game. And in my case, it's the long game. So if people do not want to see you happy, succeed, or achieve any type of achievements or anything like that, it's because probably they really want you to die. And I almost kind of took all those pills. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sit right here and just say I just threw them down the toilet. Like if it was easy. No, I contemplated for a bit. Like I almost took all of them. But I didn't. And that's the most important thing, you know? Um, what have I been doing lately? Whew. Comedy has been booming. Um, I recently just started talking to this black African-American beautiful woman. You know, we're just going to call her Miss C. Miss C is from Houston, Texas. And... I went, she's a trucker. Let me, let me go back. She is a trucker. She went to one of my shows recently. She was a trucker. I met her at the show. She bought me a drink. I bought her a drink. We started going back and forth. Beautiful woman. And you would think, oh, she's a trucker. So she must be one of them ugly, non-attractive women. No, she had a beautiful body. She was amazing and smart and all the whole nine. So a couple weeks passed by. And she texts me, hey, I'm going to be in the Bay Area again. You should definitely go on a couple uh, runs with me. I know that I know you're off days. You told me you're off days. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, sure. Come pick me up. She picked me up in her big old trailer it had a bed and a mini fridge and a little uh microwave and whatnot and we had an amazing time you know and 
literally the next day we went to go unload. Well, she did. You know, I didn't really do anything. I was just like the I was like the girlfriend in, in, in the bed just chilling, waiting for her to come back when she's done unloading her load. So, but in the process of doing all that, a van full of, I don't know if they were African-American or Hispanics, full of persons with guns telling us to pull over. Like, pull over. Pull over right now. We're going to shoot you. And she's like, okay, I'll pull over. And I'm telling her, do not fucking pull over. They are going to rob us and potentially probably even kill us and probably rape you. And they're going to make me watch as they rape you, like rape your mouth and stuff, you know? And we were literally in a high-speed chase. This reminded me of uh, Fast and the Furious, you know, the first movie, like when when um, they're um, stealing the trailer in traffic and all that type of shit, you know? But, and then I'm telling her, Haul ass, haul ass, keep pushing it. Like we're going through red lights, we're going through like we're 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 really like we were literally fighting for our lives. And she's like, No, this happens all the time. I'm like, What bitch? You get robbed every other week and you invite me with you? You threaten my life? And like, oh, I thought you would be cool with it. Like, no, like, you know, I will I will love a heads up if somebody tells me. Hey, you feel me? Uh, I, I, I'm i a trucker and every other day I'm getting almost robbed. You know, that, that would be OK. That would be cool, like for a heads up. But luckily, you know, we got away. We got away and, you know, we did the load and whatever. Then we went to a to a truck stop. We went to a truck stop, like a resting area, you know. And then, you know, we rested, you know, for like 12 hours because I guess like truckers have to rest for 12 hours or whatnot. And, you know, we had sex when we, we watched Netflix and um, and it's crazy because in the middle of the night, I just kept hearing. I don't know if there was raccoons underneath the trailer or underneath the tires or like there were people trying to constantly, constantly trying to break in the goddamn trailer. Like I couldn't sleep. Like I kept checking I kept checking outside of the window to see if the coast was clear and it it, it was crazy, man. It, it it was crazy. But I don't know those are like the recent updates of what I've been doing in my in my love life, sex life per se. But yeah, I mean that's really the, all I've been doing is just comedy. I've been going to work. Recently, I got a new job. You know, I work at a hospital. I'm not going to say what hospital I work at because that's like the last thing I want is for people to actually know what company I work with so you can guess can report me and stuff. So I am a transporter. And what that means is I transport people from from a room to the operating room or from the operating room to the in uh, you know whatever room or or not even just live people it can be dead people too like if somebody dies 
I have to wheel them out. And um, unfortunately, this lady, she was probably in her early 30s or something. I don't know if she was Hispanic, Puerto Rican or Dominican. She was brown. She died. They told me, hey, go to room 703. There's a deceased woman. You have to go move her to the corner or to the uh, to the cooler or to the to the freezer. Right. She just died. Not even 24 hours. She hasn't even been dead 24 hours, but she hasn't hit post mortem, you know, when they get all stiff or whatever. So uh, so. So like she had. You know, a body. Wonderful tits, wonderful eyes. And as I'm wheeling her out, you know, I had my chance. Uh, I had a blind spot where the cameras can't see. There was not that many people around. I'm wheeling her and I'm grabbing on her tits like firm. I'm talking about. I'm like, damn, bitch. Like, why did you die? I wanted to finger her so bad. I wanted to. See if that pussy would still be moist after death, 15 hours later, after death. And, you know, and as I'm telling, you know, I put her in the cooler and everything, and I'm telling my coworker, I'm letting them know, like, bro, man, this bitch bad, bro. I was rubbing on her tits, and, man, I'm thinking about going back to that freezer, to be honest with you, I ain't even going front. He literally just t- told me this job isn't for me. That to stop talking to him about that before he reports me, you know, it was, you know, it was a bitch, you know, it was somebody that that don't like pussy, you know, he, he probably just still likes that live pussy. He don't like that dead pussy, you know. He don't like that that stiff pussy, you know. Obviously, it was a joke with me telling him I'm gonna go back. And molest the uh, the corpse. You know, I wasn't going to do all of that. You know. But, you know, obviously it hit home for him. You know, and, you know, ever since that, he didn't really talk to me anymore. At all. So, you know, that's his loss. You know, honestly, that really is his loss. Because you should have a sense of humor where you work at. You know, you know, Chester, Chester, he goes in. You can't even tell he's drunk half the time. And he he will he will give you a whole lecture when he he's down a whole goddamn fifth and you can't even fucking tell. You know? I wanna be like him. I wanna be so goddamn on motherfuckers can't tell what I'm doing. Nah, but that's basically the updates of what I've been doing and um you know I, like I like I said on the previous episode, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of comedy. Um, I'm really just getting out there. I'm I'm making sure um, I hit every open mic. Um, I hit every opportunity that I can because that's the goal is to grow and to become the best comedian you can possibly be. And um, I'm not doing it for the fame. I'm not doing it for uh, to get my name up there. Obviously, that's the goal. But you know. Joey Diaz from uh, Uncle Joey's Joint, he even said, man, you have to enjoy it when you're nobody because those will be the most wonderful times 
that you will ever have. Because when you're nobody telling jokes, you can get away with anything. But when you become somebody and you become a name and you say something dumb or you say something, a joke that's not going to sit with somebody, that's when you get canceled. So you have to enjoy the ride, the process, the mindset on where you are right now, because when you do get to a certain point, it's not going to hit different anymore. And then you're just going to look back at it and be like, wow, you know, hitting the road, hitting this club, hitting that bar, um, telling jokes with these friends. You know, you know, when you get to a certain point, everybody's going to want a piece of you. Everybody's going to want something and um, always stay with a positive mind. That's what I tell everybody doing this. And comedy is very, very hard. Um, it's not a walk in the park. You know, it's sometimes, not even sometimes, it takes 10, 15 years even just to get your name out there. So, like, it's crazy because even Joe Diaz, um, he started getting a buzz at 32, 33 years old. And, um, and that's when he first started. And he's almost 60 years old. And he just not he just got famous not that long ago. I think it like in 2007. He got famous or 2008 when he did like the longest yard or whatever. But yeah, man, just want to tell everybody that, uh, you know, those are the updates. I just wanted to share a couple of things with you guys just, just to, you know, just to see where I'm at. And uh, but yeah, but hopefully everybody's being good. Everybody's being amazing. And uh, like I say in every single episode, make sure she sucks your dick first before you fuck because you deserve the full package. And we are out. Over the fence, yeah. Over the fence, uh.